Oh, to have peace and quiet. How many times have you thought that if you haven't said it? In today's world, uh, maybe not the last couple of months of lockdown, but I know that the cry has just been, it's too fast. I have to get up too early to get transport, to be able to get to my workplace. My boss is asking too many hours of me. Uh, there's too many demands, the insurances, the, the cost of food. There's just so much that uh, is bearing in on us and pressing in on us just to have peace and quiet. What beautiful words, if only we knew what, uh, not what they meant, but if only we knew how to appropriate them for our lives. I want to tell us today, friends, that uh, this craving, this desire for peace and quiet is not a bad thing. It's actually what we have been wired for. The scriptures would tell us that we are to live a peaceful life. And so today what I want to do is this is the third week of our Building Life series as we've looked at what it means to live an aligned life. Last week we looked at what it means to live a prophetic life. And this week we're going to look at what it means to live a peaceful life. And so will you come on this journey with me? We're just going to look at a couple of things. They're by no means exhaustive, but I do believe that these three things will just give us enough to be able to work on in the coming weeks that we can start to understand what a quiet and peaceful life not only looks like, but how it can start to work itself out in our lives. And so we're going to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. That's where we're going to start. So if you'll turn there, 1 Thessalonians 4 from verse 4, it says this, as for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. I just want to take a moment there to instruct you in how to please God and how to live to please God. This, get, this gets my attention. My ears are, are certainly pricked up now and they're ready to listen because I want to live a life that pleases God. It goes on. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of, Lord, of the Lord Jesus. We're going to jump down to verse 9. Now about your love for one another. We do not need to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. And to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Just in doing a little bit of homework, I, I also read this in the Amplified Version. And so we're going to read verses 10 and 11 in the Amplified Version or translation. And this is what it says. But we urge you, brothers and sisters, that you excel in this matter more and more and to make it your ambition to live quietly and peacefully. I love these words, to make it your ambition to live quietly and peacefully. And it may not mean what you think it's going to mean as we're going to allow the scriptures to inform us, to shape us, to form us and to allow us to work this out. But uh, this word ambition, uh, it's a word that personally I quite like, but I know in today's uh, common language, ambition has a negative association to it. Oh, that person's so ambitious. Oh, you're so ambitious to do this. And it's always done with a bit of a, 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 bit of a negative connotation, a bit of a slant on it. 
But the scriptures would say that actually make it your ambition, make it your ambition, make it your goal to live a quiet and peaceful life. And so the scriptures would say that ambition pointed in the right direction is the very thing that we should be doing. And my prayer is that far more Christians would live ambitious lives just pointed in the right direction. And so this is what we're going to look at today. And uh, as we look at that, obviously, we, we always want to start with Jesus. Uh, Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Uh, he's the one that brings us into the ability to have a peaceful and quiet life. Uh, and so what did his life look like? And I'm constantly staggered by Jesus and the way he walked on this earth. I mean, he, he passed some radical comments that uh, I, I think if I didn't love him so much would offend me, as it has offended possibly many of you over the years uh, and, and possibly may still offend you if you are watching this and you don't yet know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But he was quite happy to have crowds that absolutely surrounded him. He was hustled from every side. We know there are multiple stories in the Bible that talk of Jesus being tired because people were coming. The disciples were trying to protect him and say, no, 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 he's done too much. We need to get him to rest. No, 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 he's done too much. And so this, this hustle of people all around him, we know to be one of Jesus's character traits. Uh, we also know that he would be eating with people around a table often, eating in different people's homes. We know that he said foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man, referring to himself, has nowhere to lay his head. So he didn't, in his latter years, didn't have any permanent home. Uh, he was quite happy to move around and allow people to look after him. Uh, maybe not quite what we would think of the, the peaceful and quiet life. Uh, he didn't have any earthly wealth to deal with. Uh, we know that he had all the treasures of heaven. We, we know that and we've come to know that. But he, he, didn't, uh, he didn't have earthly wealth uh, that he was able just to do whatever he wanted. He relied on the goodness of people. And yet we know that Jesus was incredibly at peace with himself and lived what we know a, a peaceful and quiet life. And so it would appear that his peace and his quietness didn't necessarily come from the external circumstance. There seemed to be some other source, some other place that he found his peacefulness. He found his peaceful life. Uh, and, and dare I say, it was an inner disposition, but not just an inner disposition. It was an inner disposition found in practices, in external practices that allowed him to live peacefully. And so as we go on this journey today, as I said, I'm going to mention three things, just three different things that we look at the scriptures that would talk around peace. And these are not the only uh, contexts that peace are mentioned in the scriptures, uh, but they can help us to understand a little bit. And uh, as I have said a couple of times already in this short time, it may not be what we think. And so we are going to look, first of all, at hospitality. It would appear in the scriptures that peace is linked to hospitality. In a day uh, where particularly Western English-speaking white people like to build high walls, like to make their homes their fortress, like to uh, say, well, actually my home is my peace and quiet and nobody can come in there. Uh, I think the scriptures actually speak something quite differently to that, that you're looking for peace and quiet in the wrong place if that is what you're trying to do. We, we see that in Matthew chapter 10, 9 to 14, Jesus has his disciples and he's sending them out on the mission, on his mission, which is the same mission that we have, which is to introduce other people to Jesus. And uh, this is what we read in Matthew chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 10, verses 9 to 14. 
It says, Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. And if the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake off the dust of your feet. It would appear that Jesus was quite happy to tell his disciples, hey, you are free to give peace and to withhold peace. And it seemed to hinge around this hospitality. If people would welcome you in, let you disciples, let your peace rest with them. And so our peace, it would appear is tied to our hospitality. This is what Jesus would indicate. And this is what I want to bring to us today, that one thing, one way in which we can live peaceful lives is to be hospitable. That means actually opening our homes. That means taking note of what other people need. At a time like this, I know that we can become very insular. We, we're kind of in lockdown and we're locked in our homes and we can start to become very self-focused without giving consideration to what other people need. That is the very disposition, inner disposition I was talking about, that is self-focused and not hospitable because it's not giving attention to what others may need at this point in time. See, Jesus seems to be saying here that hospitality is one of the ways that peace comes into our lives. If we are building our homes as a fortress, if we are saying no one can come there, I will engage with people in the marketplace, but in my home, that is my own sanctuary, I would just ask you to listen to the scriptures today. Allow the Spirit of God to maybe turn that thought on its head and to say that peace can enter into your home if you would open it up. I know that there are many reasons that we would not open our homes today. But I want to tell us a story. And there's a, there is a scripture which says wherever, wherever the Bible, wherever your story is told, or wherever the gospel of Jesus is told, Mary's story will be told. And uh, there is a story that I always tell, which is the Capel story. And uh, if you are watching this Capel family, I want to commend you. I don't mean to embarrass you. I meant to actually lift you up as a model and an example for us this day. The Capel family moved from the Midlands down to Durban and they had lost everything financially, lost everything. And yet they were able to, in very meager circumstance, invite Piet and Jen, the previous leaders, pastors of this church, to their home for dinner. And dinner uh, consisted of just a little bit of mash and one sausage each, and that was it. But they extended hospitality. And I want to tell you, I've been in their home many, many times, and it is peaceful in that home. Peace comes because of the hospitality that they have shown, and they have received peace into their home time and time again. Their story that we cannot allow wealth to determine our hospitality. We cannot allow our circumstances to determine our hospitality. We cannot determine what size home we have to determine our hospitality. Hospitality is an inner disposition which goes way beyond those things. And so the first thing is peace. How to live a peaceful life is being hospitable. The second thing we're going to look at is purpose. Because peace seems to be linked to purpose. We're going to go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis chapter 4, where we read the story of Cain and Abel, two brothers. And uh, one wrestles with the other and actually kills the other out of jealousy. 
And this is the interaction straight after that moment. This is the interaction that he has with God. In Genesis chapter 4, 10 to 14, the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. See, Cain understood in the very beginning that as he was driven from the presence of the Lord, as he felt he was going to be that, he was going to be a restless wanderer, that as he moved from the presence of God, as he moved from the purposes of God, so he would not find peace. There is a, an element that we see in the scriptures that a peaceful life is to live a purposeful life. We see that Jesus did that. And we know that where Jesus' presence is, is where his mission is. What Jesus is doing is he's busy redeeming the earth. And so if we are on this basis of, well, I'm going to step back now. I've, I've had a season of doing that. I just now want to go and live a peaceful and quiet life. I want to tell you, you're looking in the wrong place. You have an incorrect expectation. There will be no peace and quiet where there is no purpose. There will be no peace and quiet where there is not the mission of God outworking itself through your life. I remember being called by God as 16 years of age, and I don't share that age uh, to say that the earlier you're called, uh, that there's some significance to that or not. I'm so grateful that God calls us all the time. But, but I was 16 and I felt bound. I felt trapped because I was still in school. And then I got advice to go to university and I felt like I couldn't live out my call. And then there was a, a day that I had this revelation that actually it's not dependent upon working for a church that my purpose has worked out. And it was that day that I started to get peace and quiet into my life as I lived out the purposes of God. So even at university, running Alpha courses, the mission of God, that's what I knew how to do. Uh, being able to be a coordinator and a leader in the young adults amongst our church community, uh, because that's what I could put my hands to. And so I don't know what it is for you, but this life of peace is a life of purpose. And that's what we need to be running at. I remember that some of my least peaceful days were the days between handing over South City and before God revealed that we were going to be taking over what was Cogs and now is Anthem, this community. Those months, uh, everybody would think, oh, you finally get some peace and quiet. You can sleep in a little bit. You can stay at home a little bit more. Your time is your own. I want to tell you, friends, it was the least peaceful and the least quiet because I was, I was at a loss of what to do to work out my purpose. I didn't have an avenue to work out my purpose. And that may be your story too. You think, uh, maybe you're a little bit older and you, you think, well, okay, I've, I've worked hard for all these years and just some time to enjoy my fortress, which is my home and peace and quiet. And yet there is something in you, a restless wandering, because your purpose is never fulfilled until your last breath. While you have breath, the Spirit of God directs us and empowers us to lead others in the redemptive story of Jesus. And then the third thing is faith. Peace is linked to faith. Peace is linked to faith. We're going to read in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. It says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Important. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, there is a peace, a peaceful life is above understanding. It transcends understanding. And that's why peace is connected to faith. And so without faith, peace and quiet is not going to be part of our story. I have had the privilege, uh, along with Jacks, obviously, of uh, receiving two children into my family through adoption. So we've had five through natural birth and two through adoption. And now we've got seven children. But we've had to watch our adopted kids struggle with that transition. They, their early years didn't start with a father who provided everything for them, who protected them, who took care of them, who could counsel them. They had to fend for themselves. And so when they came into our home, there was this radical juxtaposition between those that came in through adoption and those that were born naturally. Because those that were born naturally knew no differently than their father through me, who would protect them and provide for them and counsel them, who loved them, who knew that. And so our two adopted children had to learn that over time. And this is our story. We get adopted into the family of God. And so, yes, there is this reality that as we are adopted, we have access into the peace and quiet that Jesus offers. But it doesn't mean we necessarily take hold of it. It means we have to seek out our Father and put our trust in Him. It's a, it's a faith that passes. It's a peace that passes all understanding. And so we've got to circumvent or we've got to renew our minds. Uh, and we have to go, and that's why John chapter 1 teaches us that it's not by human descent or human decision, but it's by the Spirit that we get born again. And in that way, we can know our Father to be our provider, to be our protector, to be our counselor, to be our lover, to be the one who loves us, the one who leads us in our lives. And that is the story. So that example of our two children, as we've watched it play out, it's become so real to us. And I know that those of you that are close to us have been able to experience that. But I tell that story for those that are maybe a little bit distant from us, that maybe don't know our family that well. That that is our story with Jesus, that we're adopted. So just because we know Jesus as Savior doesn't mean we've walked into the peace that is available to us because we have to go beyond our understanding. It transcends understanding. And this is why it is said to us that we are to make it our ambition. This Father's Day, the greatest gift we can give our Father in heaven is to put our trust in Him, to put our faith in Him, hoping, trusting for the things not yet seen, the evidence of the things that are still coming and yet we believe for them, as Hebrews chapter 11, 1 would teach us. But this is our story, friends. And so the great gift this Father's Day, I certainly give to my Father in heaven is, Lord, I put my trust in you this day as I did yesterday and for the days past. And I will hopefully continue to do day after day after day because it is my ambition. It is my goal. I am zealously going after leading a quiet and peaceful life, not behind a fortress a fortress wall and not behind closing my home. No, rather opening it to visitors and guests so that peace can enter into my home because that is the pattern of the scriptures. It is to do that. It is to continue to work out my purpose, not saying I've served my time or I'm a little bit tired now. No, because I understand it is my goal to work out my purpose because in that I find peace. 
And then also to understand that my faith, I continue to work out my faith. I continue to put my trust daily in God, in my Father in heaven, this Father's Day, above all other days. And, uh, and every day I give my faith to you because I know that my peace is also connected to my faith. And so to hospitality and to purpose and to faith, I'm going to ambitiously build my life, a peaceful life. And that is the story that can be yours too. And so friends, will we embrace the scriptures today that we would build our lives through alignment two weeks ago, through being a prophetic life last week, through being a peaceful life this week. We've been created in his image We have not been created to carry sin. We have not been designed to carry the weight of sin. And therefore, peace and quiet can never come to us without first taking the step of trusting Jesus Christ. That as as our Savior, as the one that redeems us, as the one who forgives us, as the one who has taken the price upon himself that we should be paying for our rebellion, for our sin, for our uh, against God decisions that he's taken upon himself. We say, thank you, Jesus. We receive your free gift of salvation. I take hold of it today because I know that I cannot enter into a peaceful life without faith in, first of all, acknowledging you as Savior, but then in acknowledging your Lordship and in our Father in heaven. And so we take hold of these things today. And so I want to encourage you, friends. Maybe you're here and you need to make that decision for the first time to put your trust in Jesus. Would you do that? And maybe you're here and, uh, and you just need to reposition yourself. Ask for another inner disposition so that you would know what peace and quiet looks like by continuing to press on with the mission of Jesus, continuing to work out your purpose, continuing to be hospitable, continuing to put your faith. Maybe you've taken faith out of God's hands at this point in time. Maybe the, there's pressure uh, of this lockdown has, has, a, a, has kind of caused you to look inwardly and, and take things more into your own hands. I want to encourage you, that's not where we find our peace and quiet, friends. And if that's you, I encourage you. Uh, we're going to pray now. And, uh, and I encourage you to receive a prayer of faith from me to you. And so let's do this together today. If you made a decision for Jesus, would you pray with me? Jesus, I want to thank you that today I can find salvation because of the work that you have done. I don't understand it all. I don't know why you would want to forgive me, but I receive the gift that you are giving me that I can stand forgiven by my Father in heaven. And this day, my Father in heaven gives the greatest Father's Day gift. I should be giving him a gift, but he gives me a gift in life forevermore by His Son, Jesus Christ, and through the redeeming work of the Spirit of God. And so I receive you now. I receive you now. And for those that want to realign and and in a disposition to align yourself like Jesus did, would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you that though you were... uh, in the hustle and bustle of crowds, though you had no place to put your head, no permanent place, uh, you continue to work out your mission and yet you, you, you lived a life of peace and quiet. We want to learn from the scriptures today. So Spirit of God, would you illuminate them? Would you teach us? Would they become something that shapes and forms us in our inner beings? That we would become more hospitable with eyes to see others open to help, to helping and serving 
Would you give us eyes to see our purpose, not backing off because we think we're tired or we've run our race. While we have breath, we will continue to be on the redeeming mission of Jesus Christ. And we put our faith in our Father in heaven. This day, again, we choose you, God. And so, Spirit of God, would you confirm these things? Would you work them out in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you for being part of the service today. Bless you, and we'll catch you next Sunday. If you've been watching this on demand uh, or on Facebook outside of our live service times, may I encourage you to jump across to anthemchurch.tv next week. That's where the community all engages. Anthemchurch.tv, 10 a.m., 5.30 p.m. Bless you.